My father-in-law is here this morning, and uh, he said that a good sermon always starts with a joke. Uh, so I have one for you. Knock, knock. Yeah. I know. It's so good, right? There you go. If you take anything away from this morning, ho- hopefully it's more than that. But it's a good joke. I encourage you to pass it on. Uh, Well, if you are new or visiting with us this morning, uh, my name is Alyssa Weens. I'm the youth pastor here at First Naz, um, and I do just want to welcome you, especially if you're new or maybe if you're listening online, and we are just so glad to have you here with us. Um, A quick shout out from the pulpit. I do have a cousin visiting me um, all the way from Yorkshire, England. Um, He's over here. He's the good-looking guy with the tattoos. His name is Jake. And I encourage all of you to go and introduce yourselves to him. Now, if you don't understand a word he says back to you, that's okay. Um, That's uh, par for the course with a Yorkshire accent. Uh, He's been here for two weeks, and I still don't understand a thing he says. And I even lived in England. I know. Uh, So welcome, Jake. Uh, Well, we've been making our way through a series lately called Transformed, where Pastor Brian and Dr. Rob have shared about holiness, this idea of holiness, specifically the call to allow holiness to not only change and transform us, but also to change and transform others. Um, A few weeks ago, Dr. Rob shared a story with us. Is that what I call you? What do I call you from the pulpit? Rob is fine. Are you sure? You earned that, doctor. Okay. Rob shared with us about one of his neighbors um, in his community uh, that owned pit bulls and uh, four pit bulls and how they escaped. Um, And they actually attacked a woman and her dog. And and Dr. Rob, the challenge from Rob, sorry, was this idea of upside-down holiness. So uh, a holiness that doesn't set us apart from the world, keeping us from being contaminated, but rather a holiness that is contagious, infectious, spreading to others as we reach out to them. And so last week, Rob shared about reaching out to that neighbor, um, about the four pit bulls, uh, the neighbor with the four pit bulls, and, and helping, offering to help build a fence and the cool stuff that God is doing in that relationship. So that's where we've been the last few weeks. So hopefully if you are visiting with us today, if you're here for the first time, uh, or maybe if you've been off camping for the last few weekends, uh, you don't feel totally out of the loop with what we've been speaking about. Um, But today I don't want to talk about contagious holiness uh, that draws us in to to reach out to our neighbors uh, when they're in a mess. Like I said, uh, Rob and Pastor Brian have covered that. But rather what I want to talk to us about this morning is is about those moments when we find ourselves in a mess. I want to talk to about those of us uh, who can relate to the pit bull owner himself. Now maybe we don't have, hopefully, we don't have dogs running amok and fences that aren't holding them in. Um, But perhaps, and I think this is all of us if we're honest, Um, There are those of us here who've made poor decisions um, or whose lack of decision-making perhaps has led us into messes that have us feeling lost and hopeless. Now, speaking of messes, um, have you guys ever heard of the term hot mess? 
How many, yes, show of hands. I mean, don't, it won't age you. It might age you a little bit. But if you've heard this, I know, this section over here. Um, so we have this term hot mess. It's, it's very, uh, it, it's relevant in pop culture today. But contrary to what you might believe, it actually was not um, invented or coined by millennials. Uh, no, the term hot mess was actually first used more than 100 years ago in the 19th century. Um, and it's a term that was originally used when speaking about hot food or a place that sold hot food like a mess hall. And to prove my point, I just want to show you this excerpt from an article uh, written in 1893. It said they were supping or breakfasting together off a hot mess of meat and vegetables and rose up at our entrance for the room boasted a wooden bench and a couple of rickety stools. Anyways, um, so there you have it. More than 100 years old, the term hot mess uh, was coined. Nowadays, of course, we know it to mean something totally different, right? It, it's generally a person or a thing that is spectacularly unsuccessful. Uh, it pretty much means a person who is an attractive disaster. Uh, and as a mom, that is basically my goal in life right now. Attractive disaster is about as good as it's going to get. Most of the time, as a mom of little kids, there's not much I can do about the disaster part. They just seem to find me. Uh, but thanks to stores like Lululemon and Sephora, uh, I can try to look decent and put together in the process of that disaster. And that is what a hot mess is all about. Anyways, that's supposed to be funnier than, you guys aren't laughing. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I do have a funny story to tell you uh, about uh, this one time. It's funny now. It was not funny when it happened. Uh, but it's about a time when I used the term hot mess with a police officer. I did. It's true. Uh, so Joshua is about 18 months old. Sarah was about three and a half. Uh, and uh, Josh was at home napping. He had croup as a baby. Um, he was quite fevered, and so I just finally got him down for a nap. Uh, and Sarah, who is, who is three, um, she had this afternoon dance class, and it was time to go pick her up. Um, but I had just spent like the last hour trying to get Josh to sleep, and he was finally sleeping, and I really didn't want to have to haul him out of bed in order to go get her. So I... Um, thought, okay, well, I'm going to run, and I gave my neighbor uh, my baby monitor, and she could watch it, and I said, you know, if Josh wakes up or fusses or anything, just, you know, go get him, and I, but I was worried because Josh didn't actually really know my neighbor. Um, I did. I knew she was safe and good, but Josh was cranky and fussy, and so I thought, oh, if he wakes up and she's there, it, it's going to be a disaster, um, so I was rushing. Uh, so I head on down the street. It's just like two kilometers from my house, honestly, like the next community over, um, and I, I'm pulling down the road, and, and I can literally see the, the dance studio out my window. It's right there. And all of a sudden, I hear that terrible sound. Whoop, 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 whoop. And lights in my rearview mirror. I was being pulled over. Uh, and so uh, this young male officer arrives at my window. And, and at this point in time, um, it's a couple minutes after I was supposed to pick up Sarah because in true mom and Alyssa fashion, I was running late. Um, and so the, the studio is actually calling my phone. Um, so this officer's at my window, and I roll my window down, and I just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And he says, ma'am, do you know why you're being pulled over today? And I say, nope. No, sir, I don't, but I'm sorry. <laughs> and 
he says, well, the registration sticker on your van is expired. Can I please see your license, registration, and insurance, please? So I'm digging around. Uh, I'm looking in the seat beside me. I'm looking behind me. I'm looking at my glove box. Uh, and I realize that while I do have my phone with me, I failed to bring my purse. So I say, officer, I am so sorry, I don't have my purse. I, I was, I'm just running out really quick to get my daughter from class. It's literally right there. Um, it's just, I just live in the next community. I forgot it. And he says, okay, uh, let's see your registration, please. And so I pull it out, and uh, sure enough, as the sticker um, has shown us, it is expired. My registration is expired. And I can see the frustration on his face, and he says, okay, let's see your insurance, please. And uh, so I go to get that. And would you believe, so I do have valid insurance. I, oh, I pay my bills, I have valid insurance. But for some reason on that morning I, or afternoon, I did not have uh, an up-to-date pink slip in my vehicle. And the insurance that I had in there was also expired. So the officer looks at me and says, you mean to tell me that you are out here driving and you do not have valid registration? and you do not have proof of insurance, and you do not have a driver's license or any form of ID at all, and that is a lot of don't haves when you are facing a police officer, and each of those don't haves has like two zeros attached to it, right? It was a giant mess. And at that point, as I'm sure you're feeling right now, you're in distress just sitting here listening to it, I start to cry. I start to cry, and I say, officer, I am not that person. I am not this person that doesn't have registration and doesn't have insurance and doesn't have a driver's license. I am a paramedic. I know better than this. I am not that person. I know those people, and that's not me. But it was me in that moment. I said I should know better. And then I say to him, through my tears and all of the things that are going on with my face in that moment, I say, I am a hot mess. And I say, no, I'm not even a hot mess. I'm just a big, messy mess. I have a one-year-old at home who's sick. I haven't slept in more than, than a week, and I am, I am so sorry. And at that point, the dance studio calls again, <clears throat> looking for me. And the officer says, answer your phone. So I answer the phone. I tell the studio where I am. I can see them literally opening the door, looking for me. And I'm there, the one with the cop and the lights. And anyways, uh, and then I kid you not, this is, this is how the story ends. The police officer looks in my eyes and says, Mama, go get your daughter and then go home and have a cup of coffee, maybe a shower, and get some rest. And you tell your husband to go register your vehicle and find that insurance. And please try to remember your driver's license next time. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> this is a 100% true story. Oh, so we've been talking about holiness, right, and about being transformed, about being set aside by God, about being used by God for his purposes. But where does this holiness start? Where do we find it? Where does it begin? Or where does it find us? It finds us in the mess. It finds us in those messy, messy places and moments of life. Well, some of you might not be able to relate to feeling like a hot mess. Maybe you can relate to feeling like a hot mess uh, or an attractive disaster. 
Um, maybe on the outside, you have it all together. Maybe your fence does not have holes in it. Maybe you're here this morning and you do have your driver's license and registration and insurance. <laughs> but the truth is that perhaps on the uh, outside, we have these pruned gardens and these put-together houses, but maybe on the inside, maybe on the inside, for some of us, our marriages are falling apart, right? Or maybe our kids are rebelling and sneaking out and lying. Or, or maybe you mess up that big project at work. Maybe um, your finances are a mess. Maybe you're a student and you finished the school year with a mess of a report card or a GPA. Maybe that friendship um, is in a mess because of gossip, or maybe your relationship with your girlfriend or your boyfriend has found itself in a messy place. My point is this, perhaps this morning you are not in a place where you are ready to offer that upside down holiness to others with the hopes of sharing your light to the world because maybe instead this morning your world is dark and you're wondering where in this mess called life the holy one god himself is at work which brings me to my big idea for us this morning and the one thing if anything that i do want you to leave here today knowing is this if you can see a mess you can see god if you can see a mess, you can see good God. Uh, and, and the good news is that no matter how messy your life is, um, chances are there's always someone else's who's more messed up, right? No, I'm just kidding. That's kind of mean. I'd actually, I know, that wasn't funny. That's mean. The good news, the good news is if you can see a mess, whether it's looking at your bank account, looking in the mirror, or even looking at that person beside you, you can see God. And here's how I want to unpack that for us this morning. I want to offer us three ways that we can see holiness and the goodness of Christ in our messes, in the darkness of our messy lives. So the first is this. We are united in our mess. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, contrary to what you might believe sitting here this morning, you are not alone in your messiness. You are not. So I want you to actually look at the person next to you on both sides, and I want you to say this to them. You're a mess. I'm a mess. We're all a mess. Go ahead. <laughs> Feels good, right? <laughs> all right. Well, now that we've all established, we are not alone in our messiness. Uh, whether this is, so this is whether this is messes at home, at work, with friends, with school, with love, with Facebook. Um, you are not alone when things get messy, right? We all know mess. We all have walked through those hard, messy moments of life. Romans 2.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our mess brings us together. Our unfailing brokenness and imperfection unites us because no matter how hard we try, we are all broken. And yet, so often we are tempted to let other people's messes define how we see them, right? The Bible talks about this, the idea of, of pulling out the log in your own eye before focusing on the speck in someone else's. 
And it's this idea that essentially we tend to, to define, to judge, to label others by their messes. We say, oh man, she is such a blank because she did blank. Or he is a blank because he did blank. And you don't need me to fill in those blanks for you this morning, right? We know because we've all been there, either the one labeling others or perhaps the one being labeled ourselves. I know what that's like as a youth pastor. I get labeled a lot. <laughs> and yet, we are always hoping that others define us by our intentions rather than our messes. C.S. Lewis says this really well, actually. He says, we judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. See, my intention is always for good. I never meant to get pulled over by the cop without registration and insurance and a driver's license. That was not what I was hoping would happen when I left the house that day, right? My intention was just to pick up my daughter. And I never meant to mess up my marriage, or I never meant to get fired. I never meant to find myself head over heels in debt, right? No one sets out trying to end up in a mess. And so if we could just learn to look past other people's messes and see the child of God underneath, the way that we are always hoping and praying that they will look past our messes and see our hearts and our hurts and our intentions and who we are and why we made that stupid mistake that we did, um, then we would see God. We need to look past the mess and see the people underneath it all because when we do that, we will see men and women created in the image of Christ who, like us, have also fallen short of the glory of God and who, like us, are justified, like the second part of this verse says, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Uh, there is once a man uh, named Chico who attended this church a long time ago, um, and he said something so profound to my youth group. Uh, it was actually a few months ago, and funny enough, he was there apologizing to my youth group for sort of a mess that he had made, and he said something so awesome it took my breath away. He said, there are 7 billion people on the earth right now. And that means that there are 7 billion different ways to get to know Jesus. There are 7 billion people on earth right now, and that means there are 7 billion different ways to see the image of Christ. If you can see a mess in another person, then that means that you can see another one who, like you, is broken, just like you, who is also created in the image of Christ, just like you. We are united in our mess. We are all messy, and yet we are all created in the image of God. And so if you can see a mess, then you can see God. Point two. Quick note here, by the way, I have a three-point sermon today, which is a big deal as a, as a preacher. You know, that's the goal. We aim for three-point sermons, right? That's what they teach you in school, three points. And I did that, so. Point two. I know, thank you. Thank you. Point two, God came for the mess. Uh, there's a picture that comes to mind when I think about holiness. Um, I'm reminded of sitting in pews in Catholic church, uh, like I grew up uh, going to when I was a little girl, and, and I picture uh, that this that image of saints, right? Those stained glass images of saints, and they're always kind of standing with their arms outstretched. There's a picture that's going to come up like this, right? And that is what I've always thought about when I think of holiness. But the truth is that's not real life. 
right? The only ones that actually walk around in real life like this, with their hands outstretched like this, are surgeons. Um, or at least the surgeons on Grey's Anatomy. Um, because let's be honest, that is my extent of experience with surgeons. Um, they've scrubbed in, right? Their, their gloves are clean, their hands are clean, and, and they walk around like this in order to avoid contamination. And as Rob and, and Pastor Brian have alluded to, um, this isn't just my own vision of holiness as a little girl, of this idea of having hands that are clean that can't touch anything dirty, saints with their hands outstretched, like surgeons avoiding contamination. This is generally the perspective of holiness in our world, sometimes, a lot of times in our churches, clean hands that must avoid contamination at all costs. But this is not real life. This is not um, the hands of, of servants of God that I know, because the hands of servants of God that I know, their hands are always messy from pe feeding the poor and taking care of the sick, handing out food to the homeless, right? And that's not the God that I know. The God that I know sent his perfect son to engage with the messy people in the world around him. The God I know sent his only son to a very messy world to die a very messy death. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, that means all the broken, all the messy people in the world who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the very messy world, not to judge the world, but to save the messes of the world through him. That's my own paraphrase. Um, for those of uh, us who are those of you who've grown up in the Nazarene church, you might know this as prevenient grace or preceding grace. In other words, God draws close to us in our messes so that we might draw near to him in order to get out of them. But so often we think it's the other way around, right? That God didn't come to love the messy and broken as a man on a cross, but that he's more like this harsh Judge Judy character, like demanding perfection and sentencing us to hell when we fall short. It's this idea that once I've achieved perfection, if I can keep my hands clean, then God will be pleased with me because I've earned it. And there were Judge Judies of the New Testament. They were called Pharisees. And they were the ones walking about with their hands outstretched, condemning others by their actions and by their messes. And again, as, as Rob um, mentioned a few Sundays ago, the response of Jesus to these outstretched hands, the response of the Holy One to these so-called perfect and righteous people was to say this. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And so if we can see a mess, we can see God. He is there in the mess with us, not demanding perfection. Okay, this is huge. Not demanding perfection, never demanding perfection, but reminding us that because of him, because of the work on the cross, we already have it. And that without him, we don't stand a chance. So here's the thing about God that you need to know this morning, whether you've grown up in church, whether you're a regular attender, or maybe if this is your first time sitting in a church in years. Our God is not afraid of a mess. He is not like that surgeon who is afraid to get his hands dirty, who needs things to be spotless and clean in order to fix it. 
He is not like Judge Judy demanding our souls. <clears throat> My friends, Jesus Christ entered smack dab into the biggest mess ever, the sins of the world, and he died on the cross. He took all of our sins and all of the messes of those past and those messes to come, the mess that you are in right here and right now, and he cleaned it up with his broken body and with his blood. He cleaned it up for good. He cleaned up our messes with the cross so that you and I could be made perfect and blameless in his sight. Mess and all, Jesus Christ died for you and he died for me. And so point two, God came for the mess. And if you can see a mess, then you can see the cross. And it's there that you can see God. Our messy lives have been bought and paid for by Christ. And point three, only following Jesus can clean up those messes. Only following Jesus can clean them up here on earth. So we know that in the heavenly realm, Christ paid for our sins um, and he cleaned up that mess. But here on earth, we still have consequences, right? We have still have messes to deal with. We still have debt. We still have broken relationships. And so I want you to take a few seconds here. I want you to close your eyes, which I know is a very dangerous thing to ask you to do on a Sunday morning. Don't fall asleep. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think of the last mess, the last big mess in life that you walked through, particularly a mess that was your fault. I want you to go to that place. Now, chances are you did not follow Jesus into that mess. Am I right? Generally speaking, in the West, when we find ourselves in a mess, we were following ourselves, our own selfish desires, or possibly the selfish desires of someone else. We likely, very likely, did not follow Jesus into the mess we are in. And so I want to end my message with this. Here is something uh, that you need to know, and it, it's almost hard to say as a pastor, but I believe it with all my heart. And as a side note, I totally stole it from Andy Stanley, but it was so good, it was worth plagiarizing. He said this, you cannot pray your way out of something you behaved your way into. You can't pray your way out of something that you behaved your way into. If you fall, we're not following Christ into a mess, you need to follow him in order to get out of it. You can follow your way out. One foot in front of the other, you can walk with Christ out of the mess. Um, and I'm reminded when I say that, I know it's hard to hear that you can't simply pray your way out of a mess that you behaved your way into. I'm reminded of that classic, classic sermon illustration story, right? The man on a rooftop. Um, so it's the story of a man who's, uh, there's flooding going on, um, his house is going to flood, and so he climbs up to the roof. And he's up there and he prays and says, God, deliver me, save me, save me from the floodwaters. And so shortly after that, um, a couple of men arrive in a canoe. And they say, hey, your house is going to flood. Come down and we'll save you. And he says, nope, nope, nope. I've prayed that God would save me and I'm going to wait and let him do that. And so they're like, okay. And they take off. And the waters are getting higher and higher. And, and shortly um, after that, a man, uh, a police officer in a boat comes along and says, hey, your house is going to flood. You are going to drown. 
climb in and we'll go to safety. And he says, nope, nope, thanks, but I've prayed to God to save me and, and I'm going to wait and let him do that. So he says, okay. And those waters just keep getting higher and higher. Uh, and so shortly later, a, a helicopter comes by and lowers the ladder to him and says, dude, you're going to drown. Climb up the ladder, we'll get you to safety. And the man says, thanks, but no thanks. I've prayed to the Lord to save me and I'm going to wait for him to do that. And so the man dies, um, as you do, and uh, he gets, gets into heaven. Thanks, thanks, husband. He gets into heaven. He requests this to, to have a meeting with God, and he says, God, I was there. I prayed. I prayed for you to save me. Why didn't you save me? Why am I here with you? And God says, I tried to save you. I sent you a boat, and then I sent you another boat, and then I sent you a helicopter. Why didn't you get in? And that is my point. You cannot pray yourself out of something that you behaved your way into. If you were not following Jesus into a mess, the only way out of it is to follow him. Um, we read John 3.16 together earlier, and that's a verse we are so familiar with, right? Like our kids sing about it at camp. We see it on billboards, especially in the States. But what I want you to see is the second part. So we know the top part, you know. Um, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. But the part I want you to land on, that I want to land on this morning, is where it says, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Our messes required action in order to get into them, and our messes require action in order to get out of them. The only way out of our messes is to follow Jesus. Again, not towards perfection. God is not looking for perfection from us because we can't ever possibly give him perfection on our own. We do not have the ability to offer perfection. We are too messy. We are too broken. But we can give him our hearts. That is what we have to offer. We find God in and we follow God out of our messes. And it's in that place that we build relationship with him. If you can see a mess, then you can see God. He is not just the light at the end of the tunnel. He is the comforting hand that is holding yours when you are lost in the dark. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward. <clears throat> Again, those three points. Number one, our messes unite us. If you can see a mess, whether you're looking next to you or in the mirror, you can see one who is created in the image of God. Number two, Christ came for the mess, not with sterile gloves, but with blood-stained hands and a cross. He has already cleaned it up. You just have to trust him. Number three, God is the only one who can lead us out of our messes. Wherever that finds you this morning, whatever that looks like, 
Somehow, some way, you behaved your way into a mess, and the only way out of it is to follow Jesus. One foot in front of the other, not towards perfection, but towards relationship with the Holy One. So what do we do when we're in a mess? We look for God. We see him in the people who are messy like us. We see him at the cross when he saves our souls. And we will find him every time waiting in the dark, waiting to walk us through it, out of our messes. Each and every time he will be there. Uh, we're going to sing the song Reckless Love. And I love it so much because it talks about a sheep that went astray, right? We know that story in the Bible. There's a hundred sheep and one disappears. And, and I want to land on the fact that that sheep got into that mess wherever he was by moving, by actions. And, and, and so our God brought action down and met that sheep and brought him back, right? But that sheep had to follow him, had to follow him to get back to that place where he was safe, had to follow him to safety. Um, and it's this beautiful picture of God's redeeming love in our messes. Whatever that looks like for you this morning, whatever that's going to look for you six months from now when you find yourself in another mess, he will always be there, always pursuing you, always pursuing your heart and bringing you back to him. So if you are walking through a mess this morning um, and you want some prayer, we're going to have a prayer team on this side during the song. I just invite you to come forward um, and talk about it. Bring it to the light. Let us pray over you um, because we're messy too and we get it, right? And we just want to see you covered in prayer. And if you feel like you want to pray by yourself, these altars are open and we just welcome you to come and meet God here. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you're with us in the mess. Even if it's messy sound equipment, you are here. And God, we just praise you for always meeting us in those hard places. No matter what that looks like, whether it's money or relationship or marriage or school, God, it doesn't matter. You are not afraid of a mess. You are not afraid to meet us in the mess. And so God, this morning, we just open ourselves up to you, we open our hearts up to you, and we invite you into those places. Lord, would you meet us here? We didn't follow you into these messes, God, but we want to follow you out of them. And so, Lord, we just offer ourselves up, we offer our hearts up, we offer our feet up. Would you just guide us? Guide us out of the messes. And we praise your holy name for cleaning up our sins, for cleaning up our messes in the, in the heavenly realms, God, that we can rejoice in knowing where we're going to go and rejoice in knowing um, that we belong with you, that we are sons and daughters of Christ. And Lord, as we move forward into our week, as we encounter messy people around us, God, would we see you when we look at them? Would we not see and label them by their messes, but would we look at them and see the daughter and sons of Christ who are created in your image, who are broken just like us, and would we love them in that place just like you love us in our messiness. God, would we love those around us. Lord, as we go through our week and we find messes around us in our lives, whatever that looks like, God, would we find you in those places. We love you, Lord. Amen.